We're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs together, Lord willing, over the next few weeks at least. Uh, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. There are 915 verses in Proverbs. And my wife and I would like to challenge you with something. And you can take us up on it or, or not. That's up to you. But what we would like to do is challenge you to read through the book of Proverbs twice by April 17th. So uh, you'd have to read through the book of Proverbs twice uh, by April 17th. And if you do that, and you'll be on your own honesty, obviously, we'll have a sign-up sheet, and we would like to serve you a baked potato with all the fixings if you... Uh, if you'll read through the book of Proverbs. We'll do that just as a time of fellowship, and I want to share some things together as we do that on a Sunday evening. Uh, for parents, uh, if you read through with your uh, mate, then we will um, certainly feed your children along with you. But uh, we would like to challenge you to do that. I think it'll be a way for us to get together, first of all, to eat, which would be a good thing, but for a good time of fellowship together and to share some things that we've learned from the book of Proverbs. How do I handle the book of Proverbs? As a New Testament Christian, how do I handle the book of Proverbs? Well, first of all, you recognize that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. So God's Word in the book of Proverbs was given to me by the Lord to learn. Now, what am I learning about God? Well, the whole Bible, of course, is about Him, is it not? The whole Bible, it's about God and his purposes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and his purposes. What about these Old Testament people? They didn't have the permanent indwelling Holy Spirit, did they? Not like we do, certainly not. But yet they were expected to obey God's word and God's will. They were expected to. If, if they did not, chastening, yea, punishment would come upon them. They were expected to obey God's will. God gave them prophets who were spirit-filled. God gave them guides, directors, judges who were spirit-filled who would then direct them to follow the word of God. And one such man, one such prophet, is the writer of the biggest amount of the book of Proverbs, and that is King Solomon. You recognize, of course, King Solomon was the wisest man that ever walked upon the earth. God's Word says that very plainly. I won't have you turn there, but in 1 Kings chapter 3, you can read that. And you read about his uh, coming before the Lord and praying, God, I'm young, I'm not able to handle this people. My father David is very ill. He's going the way of all the world, that is death, and I need your wisdom to guide this people. And God said, since you have not asked for money or the life of your enemies or good wealth for yourself or your nation, he said, then I'm going to grant you that you will be the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, I would have loved to have met some wise. I've met some men in my lifetime that I would consider to be brilliant, brilliant men. One of the men that I know, uh, that very fond of, Dr. John Whitcomb. John Whitcomb had an opportunity to speak to and to witness to Albert Einstein. He was a brilliant, brilliant guy. And Dr. Whitcomb had an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not know if Einstein, in fact, uh, listened or believed. Uh, we, I don't know any of that. But what I do know is this, that he was a brilliant man, but he was nothing in comparison 
to King Solomon, the most brilliant man that ever lived upon the face of the earth. Yet, yet we read about um, King Solomon when he was old, his heart turned away from the Lord through uh, an, um, a means women were used, of course, by the devil. But devil can use anything to turn your heart away from the Lord, can he not? He can use everything. In Solomon's case, it was women. His wives turned his heart. And Solomon wrote something about himself, and I would like you to read that with me just for a moment. We're going to Proverbs in a moment, but turn with me, please, to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4. Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. This is when he was uh, toward the very, very end of his life. And he wrote this book of Ecclesiastes for the purpose of uh, literally God showing uh, what happens to a foolish man. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'd like you to turn with me to chapter 4 and verse 13. Notice what Solomon says, and I, I believe he's writing about himself here, but also to other kings who might fall into the same category. He said, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who can no longer be admonished. Imagine that. An old and foolish king who can no longer be admonished. Solomon fell into that category, did he not? He came to a place in his life where apparently he stopped listening to the Lord and he fell into a place of being an old and foolish king. Did God use him? Of course he did. How did he use him? Well, he used him as the third of the heads of the kingdoms of the nation of Israel for his own purposes, for his own will, according to his own will. Now, when we examine this, we're going to view, examine, interpret this in the light of the New Testament because as New Testament born-again believers, we recognize uh, that God... Uh, gave us the Old Testament for our learning. Whatever things were written in early times were written for our learning. We want to learn who God is and his purposes as we go through this book of Proverbs. Our Lord Jesus gave authority to the book of Proverbs, and again, I won't have you turn to it right now in the book of Luke, when he said, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you. This was prior to his ascension into glory, after his resurrection. He said that all things must be fulfilled which are in the Psalms and in the prophets and in the law of Moses concerning me. All things would be fulfilled. And so in our Lord Jesus Christ, all things were fulfilled, as Pastor Rob said, as far as uh, the Lord Jesus Christ giving us wisdom. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We also read that in the book of Ephesians that we are given the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So as we look into God's word, we see God teaching us through Old Testament the examples, also uh, his will for our life according to following his word and his will and giving us wisdom. So as we're looking at this, now we want to make sure that we're looking at it uh, as a book of wisdom you are literally holding in your hands the wisdom of Solomon, which is important, of course, wisest men that ever lived, but the Spirit of God using that to bring the Spirit of truth to us, to walk with him. So what you have in your hands is a treasure chest of truth for us to follow. 
Now, we're going to run into some problems in the book of uh, Proverbs, and we'll look at those problems together as we go, because we're talking about a very agrarian, farming, uh, crop people. They grew, they lived off the land. And some of the features that are given to us in the book of Proverbs have to do with the land, cattle, crops, uh, that type of thing. And so we'll have to uh, fit that into our thinking concerning our modern day age. Uh, you know, Nancy and I try to plant some crops in our backyard. And thank God we're not dependent upon them for life, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we get some, but oh, we, it's a colossal failure sometimes. There's this thing called the woodchuck. Do you know what it is? It's a rat, a giant rat, and it consumed my vegetables. I hate woodchucks. But, you know, we're, we're not in that mode. We're not in that frame of thinking about farm animals and, and about uh, growing, but yet we can make application certainly to our life, and that's what we'll do. To look at the book of Proverbs, you must look at it in a form of couplets. Now, what, what do I mean by couplets? Well, we're going to see that there are at least three different forms of couplets. Uh, in the book of uh, Proverbs. Now, these couplets will be two passages, or three passages in some cases, even more than that in others, but what they will do is relate one to another. The context is often in couplets. I want to show you a few of those, but what I also want us to understand, I want you to understand, and I need to understand, as I was in uh, Florida, suffering in the 50-degree weather, uh, I, I uh, and studying through the book of Proverbs, I, I saw there's a lot of warnings in this book. Mm. There's an awful lot of warnings in this book. And the warnings are for you and I. Can, I. can I show you one of them that particularly rings in my ears? Turn with me to Proverbs uh, chapter 4, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 4. And it warns you and I about having fellowship with believers. Pastor Rob talked about that tonight. Uh, getting together, the church meets together for the edification of believers. Is that not true? Of course we do. We meet together for the edification of believers, and then we scatter to do the work of the ministry. But when we're here, why do you come to church? Well, I come to church and I bring my neighbor so he'll get saved. Well, that's a wonderful thing, but you should be coming to church to learn about God. That's the whole purpose of the church is to grow in Christ. Then we evangelize. So it's nothing wrong with bringing someone to church so that they can get saved, but the purpose of coming to church is so that you can grow in Christ. That's the purpose of church. Always has been right from the beginning of God's perfect plan for us. We're in the book of Proverbs. Notice chapter 4. And I want you to look at verse 14. Enter into... Enter not, rather, in verse 14, enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Now Solomon is talking, of course, to younger people. What age younger people? Younger than him. So if you're in here and you're under 95, you're younger than Solomon. He wants you to know something. He's not necessarily talking to children. Sometimes we'll read about children, but for the most part, this is God speaking to us, you and I, no matter what age category we're in, 
about his will for us. Don't enter into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. What does he mean by that? I can't go to work then. I can't go to the grocery store then. No, he's talking about having a communion and a union with them. He's not talking about working among them. He's talking about having a communion and a union with them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Why? Notice what he says in verse 15. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Avoid is to expose. Don't expose yourself to this, the wickedness that's going on. Don't do that. Turn means head in the other direction. You're walking this way. There it is. A deadly rattlesnake on the path. You say, well, I wonder how close I can get to the rattlesnake before it bites me, if they bite, strikes me. No. If you had any sense at all, you'd see how far away can I get from the rattlesnake till I can't see him no more. And that's what God's talking about concerning his word. Pass not by it. Essentially, stay away from it, from this evil. Pass away from it. Just go away from this evil. So as we look at the book of Proverbs, we're going to see this is what God wants you to do to honor him and to, to uh, live according to his perfect will and his perfect word. And here's what he wants you to stay away from so that you do not fall into the trap of wickedness. Okay, so let's look at some of these couplets together if we can. Uh, first of all, uh, I mentioned there's at least three types of couplets, and there are, uh, and there are mixtures within those three. So you won't always find um, a fixed uh, couplet, uh, but you'll run into them, and I think it'll give you some kind of idea. First of all, there's uh, uh, constructive couplets. God wants us to know something, and, and we'll understand, oh, I'm sorry, contrastive, not constructive, contrastive couplets. And we'll see them, and they usually, uh, they usually contain the word but, or uh, they might cons uh, contain the word and, and we'll look at that for a moment. Let's look at one of those. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Contrastive couplets, that is, they contrast one another. In the book of Proverbs, look at chapter 13 with me in verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction. But, contrast to that, a scoffer hears not rebuke. A scoffer won't listen. Someone wise will listen, but someone who's unwise is not going to listen. Contrastive. And then uh, there is the positive used there. Sometimes it's positive, negative. Wisdom listens. Foolishness doesn't. But at other times, you're going to find that there's the negative first and then the positive. Turn with me to chapter 13, verse 18. Look at verse 18. There is he that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. That's the negative, or that's the sinful. He speaks like the piercings of the sword. But the tongue of the wise is healthy. The tongue of the wise will bring health. So you have a negative and a positive. Uh, the, in uh, chapter 13 and verse 1, there was a positive and negative. But you see how the couplets are, are brought together with the but. There's this, but there's also that. Look at chapter 14 and verse 9 for a moment, please. 
This is the negative, and then the positive are the folly, and then the wisdom. Chapter 14, look at verse 9. Fools make a mock of sin. Who makes a mock of sin? Fools do. Foolish people. But among the righteous, there is favor. See, fools make a mock of sin, but the righteous honor the Lord. They don't mock sin. They honor the Lord in his favor with the righteous. So we have uh, contrasting couplets. And there, then there are completive couplets. That is, the first, verse, the, the first verse gives us a statement, and the second verse completes the statement. Uh, look at chapter 14 and verse 10, please, completive. And they're usually gathered by and or so. They're usually connected. 14 and verse 10. The heart knoweth, <clears throat> let me read that again, the heart knoweth its own bitterness, and a stranger does not intermeddle with its joy. The, the stranger doesn't share. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger can't possibly understand. It completes it. Uh, I, as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a, a man who wants to honor the Lord, I know my own heart and what bitterness can go on in there. And no one else can enter into that with me. So it completed the thought. Well, another passage that has to do with completion is chapter 16 and verse 3, please. 16.3. Commit thy works unto the Lord. That's the first statement. Okay, now, and he completes that. And thy thoughts shall be established. See, your plans and your thoughts will be established. So the couplet there is and. If I commit my way to the Lord, the Lord will establish my ways or my goings. And then there's comparative comparative couplets. So we have three forms of couplets. Uh, there's that which is in contrast, there's that which completes, and then there's that which compares. And it's usually uh, linked with terms like better than or, or like or so. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. It completes it. Again, we compare. It's better to have a little bit than to have a lot with all kinds of problems with it. So again, we're uh, comparing the two. Uh, one more, if you would, chapter 25 and verse 24. Chapter 25 and verse 24. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop. Go way up there in the uh, sound room and go way over in the corner. It's better to be there than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Now, God has things to say about that and about men as well. So we're going to, but what I want you to notice is it completed the thought. What do you mean it's better than, what is it better than, Lord? Well, it's better to dwell there than to be in a wide house with this woman who is, uh, not walking with the Lord and giving you lots of, lots of problems. So we, let's think of couplets as we go through this book together. Also, I wanted you to see and to realize that many small portions, albeit portions of the book of Proverbs, are quoted by New Testament believers. 
You'd be surprised. I only have a few of them. There's so many we didn't want to look at all of them. Uh, but there's uh, quite a few uh, not complete uh, verses and some, some that are nearly complete. But uh, many, many uh, little sections taken out of the book of Proverbs by New Testament believers. And that's how we know uh, that the book, along with, of course, being part of our completed Bible, but that's how we know the book has verification to it. That's how uh, the, the, uh, the, one, the people who put the different conclaves that put together the scriptures recognize the book of Proverbs was the word of God. The New Testament writers gave credence to that book. For example, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And this is, you're very aware of this book, I'm sure, and this chapter particularly, but in Romans chapter 12... <clears throat> We're not going to exegete this passage, but just to read it and see it, how it's uh, described in Proverbs. Um, of course, in verse 19, Paul ends with, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now in verse 20, Proverbs 12, 20, Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. And then he ends with, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is a direct quote from the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, starting in verse 21. Uh, we, I won't have you go and look at that. Uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, please. 1 Peter 4, 8. Different sections of the book of Proverbs are uh, quoted by Old Testament, uh, by New Testament writers, that is. In 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse 8 for a moment. Peter lets us know, listen, the end of all things is at hand. Uh, make sure, therefore, make, therefore, uh, be sober-minded and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Well, that is a partial quote from the book of Proverbs. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10 for a moment. Proverbs chapter 10. There are probably 20 that I was able to gather, quotes, partial quotes and quotes, from the book of Proverbs by New Testament writers. The book of Proverbs, we're in chapter 10. Look at verse 12, please. I'm sorry, I brought you to the wrong place. Uh, didn't I? Proverbs, no, I didn't. Okay, Proverbs 10, uh, 12. No, so, hatred stirs up strifes, but love covers all sins. And you'll find that throughout the New Testament, where the book of Proverbs give us, uh, where the New Testament writers give us truth, and often the truth is a portion of uh, the writings from the book of Proverbs. Now, as we look at Solomon, uh, it's very difficult to ascertain exactly Many people believe that Solomon wrote the whole book of Proverbs. I probably have 15 books on Proverbs. And most, the majority of the books, believe that Solomon wrote the whole book of Proverbs. There are others, of course, who do not believe that completely. They say, well, it appears as if there's a Lemuel and um, Agar, or Agar uh, that wrote portions of the book of Proverbs. Um, the problem that we have is um, many of the writers that, that uh, have put the book of Proverbs together uh, as far as uh, 
our Bible is concerned, suggests that those, that was Solomon writing under a, uh, a received name. It was not him necessarily, it was him writing, but another name was given to him. For example, King Lemuel. We know nothing about a King Lemuel. Who was he? Where was he from? What was he all about? Well, we don't know anything about him. So could it have been Bathsheba talking to uh, Solomon? My son, give not thy strength to women. Don't give your, your strength to strong drink. He, that's a warning. Could it have been Bathsheba? Of course. We do know that uh, Solomon wrote many, many Proverbs that are not recorded for us in the book of Proverbs. They're just not uh, there. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 4 for a moment, please. <clears throat> 1 Kings chapter 4. We have all the Proverbs that God wanted us to have. Say, man, I wish I had more. Well, do what he says here, and maybe he'll give you a few more later on. But um, recognize that we do not have all of the Proverbs. Uh, he wrote... The scriptures tell us, picking it up in 1 Kings chapter 4, look at verse uh, 31. For he, Solomon, was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezerite, and Hermon. Well, let's skip over that now, verse 32. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his song were a thousand and five. And he spoke of trees from the cedar of Lebanon, even the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and fowls and creeping things and fish. So Solomon wrote much of his wisdom down that God had given him, but we only have, nine, as I mentioned, 915 verses in our book of Proverbs. So there's a couple of thousand Proverbs missing. And you know, I, as you think about that, I wonder what they were, what was it like? Well, uh, I, I wonder as well, and maybe someday we'll learn them in, in glory. Maybe God will give us some of that wisdom that uh, uh, we miss from our New Testament writings. I often wonder about that myself. Uh, for example, we have so little of the life of the Apostle Paul. We have so little of it. Um, what did he do when he was here? How come he skipped this place? Why did he go here? What was he doing there? When he went through there and he stayed three weeks, what did he say? We, we only have a chapter of what he said while he was there. Uh, it would be amazing for us to hear some of these things later on. But God has given us exactly what he wanted us to have. And so we just simply need to say, yes, Lord, uh, we accept this. We believe this. The secret things belong to you. And we'll just deal with this. And it's enough for us to deal with the truth that you've given us. We want to see that as Solomon wrote, uh, he wrote of some things that, uh, as I mentioned before, that are hard for us to understand. Some of it is no problem. We, we get it. We understand it. But let's look at a couple of them we could, please. God has given us, through the book of Proverbs, skill to live in a corrupted world. And that's what he was doing there. To those Old Testament Jews, through King Solomon, he was giving them skill to live in a corrupted world. And so the, the skill was the word of God. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Let's look at a couple of uh, Proverbs if we can. First of all, we'll look at uh, uh, moral and social and financial 
and personal skills. But first, let's begin with the social skills. Proverbs 27, if you would. Proverbs chapter 27. These are just a few, and we'll go on to a specific subject in just a moment. But in Proverbs chapter 27, look at verse 14 with me, please. He that blesses his friends with a loud voice, raising up early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. That's a social skill, right? You have a neighbor? Don't start screaming first thing in the morning. Don't scream out very loud in the morning. Why? Because your neighbor's not going to like it. That's pretty simple. You say, well, I, I have to go out and start my truck or car. Well, then make sure the muffler is fixed, right? This has to do with a loud voice awaking a neighbor. That's a social skill, isn't it? You know, I want to witness to my neighbor about the Lord, and the, and the neighbor comes over, and he says, I wish you people would be quiet. I just wish you'd quiet down. Why do you play your music that loud? You're not going to have a great opportunity to talk to that fellow, are you? So you want to make sure you have good social skills. Then God talks to us about financial things. And we're going to look at that. This is interesting. Business skills. But turn with me, if you could, please, to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. And let's look at verse 26. This has to do with um, co-signing, if you would, or agreeing to pay uh, for someone else. Be not thou one of those who strike hands or of those who are sureties for debts. debts. Make sure that you're not co-signing something that someone else is required to pay. Now, you can do that in your family. I've, I've done that with some of my kids um, that uh, needed to buy something, and I they didn't have enough credit, so I was glad to help them out. But I always made sure that they didn't buy something beyond what I could pay, because you never know what's going to happen. Right? They could break their leg, uh, not be able to go to work, and then not be able to pay their bills, and now I have to take over. No, uh, sir, you do not need a Mercedes. You can settle for something I can afford as well. Now, they never did that, but you understand what I'm saying. And there are some people who actually co-sign for friends and then get stuck with the bill. And let me guess, are they friends anymore? Usually not. Huh? Usually there's a problem. So God tells us about financial skills. He also tells us about personal things. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. This is one of my favorites. Proverbs chapter 6. <clears throat> we used to uh, deal with this with our kids in Proverbs chapter 6. And I think uh, you parents particularly will find an awful lot in the book of Proverbs that is very practical that will help you with children. And again, we'll look at that a little bit later on. But Proverbs chapter 6, look with me please at verse 6. God tells us about uh, our uh, personal discipline. What does God want from you? What does he want from me? He says this in Proverbs 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> I like that. He also calls them slothful, which is another descriptive word. A sluggard, just a slow-moving person who's just won't, can't even get out of their own way. And a sloth. Does anyone know what the sloth is? 
they, they move so slow, they actually grow moss on them. It's an interesting animal. But here's what God says. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. See, he's giving us personal discipline here. Don't go, don't go and look at something that is going to slow you down. Look at something that God has instituted even in an insect. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, someone doesn't have to tell it to get up in the morning. Something doesn't have to tell an ant you need to work. No one has to direct an ant where to go and get food. An ant knows what to do. You should know what to do, sir. Notice, she provides her food in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O oh sluggard? When will you arise out of this sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come like one that travaileth, and thy want like an armed man. See, God gives us direction and personal discipline. Listen, get up and go to work. Wake up. You shouldn't have to have people tell you to go to work. My father used to say to me, and I'm sure most of your fathers said to you, you need to make hay while the sun shines. Do you ever hear that one? That means it's time to get moving. And this can be a time when you can relax. Yes, that's true. But if you relax and you lose the sunshine, you won't be able to get the, the crops in. Again, the agrarian uh, culture. Another one is discernment in life. I particularly think about this one. Discernment in life. What? What should I do? Well, turn with me to Proverbs 14 for a moment and look at verse 4. Proverbs 14, discernment in life. This, again, is one of my favorite. I'm going to say that about most of them. But I want you to think about this for a minute because this is very interesting. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Now, do you need that explained to you? Okay, in case some of you do. I like explaining this. If you have a giant ox, some of you have dogs, you know, you have to clean up after your dog. That's why we don't have a dog. But it goes through the natural process. In it goes and out goes the other end. Well, you imagine having an ox. You have this ox. And a lot goes in and a lot comes out. If you don't have an ox, you don't have to worry about that. It's not a problem. However, in verse 4, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. You see, there's some things you have to put up with sometimes. And the benefit of having that thing far outweighs the small problems that you have to deal with or the large problems. So God gives us uh, points of discernment in life. Think this through. I'm not doing that. Why, it's too hard. Yeah, but you don't get the benefit of it then. You're not going to have an advantage then. You're going to end up always being on this side instead of recognizing, yeah, you might have to put up with a little bit, but you get a great benefit. In Proverbs chapter 24, look at verse 30 with me, please. Discernment in life. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. I went by the field of a slothful, of the slothful, and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. Well, how does he know that? How does he know that? I walk by my neighbor's house, and I know that he's slothful and void of understanding. How, well, how did you know that? Well, verse 31, And lo, 
It was all overgrown with thorns. See, I went by his vineyard, and I'm, I'm looking, and it's all overgrown with thorns. And nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall of thereof was broken down. Then I looked, I saw, and considered it well, and looked upon it, and received instruction. You go by someone's house and everything's... Now, we're not talking about someone who can't do something. We're talking about someone who could do something and doesn't. You go by their house and you see the place is a mess. Particularly this, uh, a, a, uh, a vineyard was something very important. That's where they got sustenance from. This is where they got their grapes from. This is where they got raisins from. This is where they got drink from, wine, grape juice from. And yet... The wall is broken down so animals can get in, and, and there's, there's vines growing all over it, nettles growing all over it, so the grapes are going to be consumed by the, by the plants. He says, I looked, and I received instruction. Yet a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come like one that travaileth, and thy want like an armed man. Recognize that uh, you can, in fact recognize certain traits in people if you observe. Can you not? Paul talked about the, the people on the island of Crete. He says there's something written about them that's very true. They're always only lazy gluttons. Now again, we're not talking about people who can't do something. We're talking about people who won't do something. And God wants us to give us instructions, discernment, skills to live by all through the book of, of Proverbs. Uh, moral skillfulness and godliness and mental discernment. And that's why the book of Proverbs has been written. So Lord willing, the next time that we get together, we want to look at Proverbs together and look at what God says about wisdom. Where does wisdom begin? Well, you know, of course, Proverbs uh, chapter 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that where it starts? That's where it started with me. Listen, I did not know the joy of the Lord till I knew the fear of the Lord. Um, all you got to read is the Gospel of John, don't you? And you'll land in chapter 3. And God says that he provided salvation. But if you reject that salvation, you're going to everlasting damnation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your revealed truth. I pray, Father, that people would take us up on the challenge that they might read through the book of Proverbs a few times to gain insight, that, Father, you'd bless them with your word and encourage their hearts, and they may see something perhaps they've never seen before or did not remember. Father, we know that Proverbs sometimes is overlooked. Uh, we feel that we're adults, and we, we don't need instruction to children. And yet, Father, before you, we are children, John called us his little children. So Father, as we read through the book of Proverbs, help us to learn, to gain that skillful instruction. And as we compare the Proverbs with the New Testament, as we look at New Testament truth, Old Testament truth, that we uh, combine them so that we might live a Christ-like life. Thank you for this time. For each one this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.